Welcome. Uh, I'm gonna we're gonna get right to it because I think it was a good energy we started with right off. Uh, uh, what's it called? Off script, off podcast, pre podcast. Uh, we had a conversation about um, uh, your. How about we start with that because that'll remind me. So, what did you do over the past couple of days or for a while? You said uh, you didn't get back, you know, till like a day ago. So. Maybe give us uh, just a little insight into that. It could lead into the conversation today on working from home, the concepts of working from home, the psychology around working from home, et cetera. Um, For my 36th birthday, uh, I scratched my vacation plans to go do the resort style thing and uh, actually went up the coast with my mom, right? We live right outside San Francisco, so it's about a 45-minute drive over the Golden Gate Bridge and you are in Sausalito, the Marin Headlands, Mount Tam. Um, so we just spent the last couple of days hiking, going to the ocean, playing with the dog and just not opening my phone or my emails for a couple of days. Uh, so that's so awesome. I've read, I don't know why I've read. Can you tell me how far, excuse my geographical ignorance, but Big Sur is from your location? It is two and a half. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I wasn't thinking it was that because I have done some research on, uh, this, uh, Isalen group, E-S-A-L-E-N, um, back in the forties and fifties and this transcendental movement, purist, environmentalist, conservatism kind of concept ideas. And I'm a big fan of ecology. Anyways, back to the point, what you were saying there, why I think it was important for today was you also had some, or we had some insights pre-podcast into, uh, the idea, I propose this idea that, you know, you know, is it really inconsistent if someone like works hard nine to five for three weeks, but then goes off the grid for four or five days and exercise and eats and et cetera? You know, why do you think, Melissa, possibly that scene is inconsistent? Because you brought us also that your clients kind of have anxiety around that. Yeah. And yeah. I think it comes back to just how we've created social norms of, um, within everything we do in our life, right? So if you're training, you're usually on a six-week cycle. So to potentially leave the gym for a week when you're in the middle of a cycle can give some people anxiety of like, will I lose my gains if I'm, you know, I'm in week two and and not seeing the value or um, weighing one heavier or like a better than the other to say to go play out in nature would be lesser than the workout they're going to get inside the gym. Mm. Anxiety around leaving some of the routine pieces or, if I don't have lemon for my lemon water in the morning because mm. I'm when I didn't bring yeah. it, oh yeah. my God, my world will fall apart. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, I think we hit that sometimes where people are like, is, is routine a bad thing to some extent when we become so um, scared to go outside of it, right? I eat my three meals. I don't know if I go on vacation and I don't bring my scale, how will I know I kept my macros perfect? Or you and I had discussed you know, sometimes when you're out and you're away, you eat two meals because it's because, right, we're not as hungry. Yeah, or, yeah, we're relaxed. Our nervous system is not firing all the time. You know, hunger singles, hunger signals are different. Um, yeah, I, I, I see the, I see the, the nice, uh, you know, break between maybe something that will lead to our conversation today on, um. this concept of working from home in a post-COVID, post-COVID timeline and all the things that got us to there and what we do about it. But it is that 
what you call the social norm that bumps up against, you know, what you and I know to be true in terms of seasonality and, um, and work and rest. Right. So we've always, you know, you just said it in training programs, right? We don't do training programs that are 365 days straight. I mean, I talk about that for vitality because that's a form of consistency, but it makes me think, you know, maybe it's okay for us to have the conversation around individuals doing quote unquote, and the way I described it was like hard nine to five work in the concrete jungle, you know, buried in your computer and quote unquote life. But then for five or six days, maybe you will be more vital at the end of the, at the, you know, at the end, whatever the end is, if you offer that solace of being in nature. So I see that cut between society and nature again, bumping against one another, you know? Um, And I also think for that one, actually, you know, I know we've gone off tangent here a little bit, but also because it's around social, it's around spring break time uh, for a lot of our families inside the gym is, you know, we've also as a society really normalized that then you work that nine to five, go, go, go Monday through Friday. And then when you do have vacation, it's like, we need to go to Disneyland. We need to go, um, like, where can we go that's the most entertaining? Yeah. You come back and you're just more wired and tired because it actually wasn't an unplug. It was just escaping work to go into another yeah. non-week yeah. to come back into the work week. Yeah. I don't know why you mentioned that as if you knew that uh, my family and I were talking about that over Easter weekend. <laughs> Uh, it's no, I'm kidding you not. It was actually that conversation at a meal time on the weekend. Um, well, we don't observe the, the traditional religious, uh, versions of the weekend. And so we, we contemplate though, and reflect on those who do. And we had that conversation on, you know, well, what are your friends doing, you know, for that? And a number of them went to Disney world or Disneyland, whatever the California versions. I never get that. How can I, Melissa, how can I get it in my brain to know Disney World Land? Is there like a little trick in California? Like it's what's just smaller? Disneyland smaller. That doesn't help. That doesn't help me. Um, okay, land. Okay, yeah, world would be monstrous, right? I was thinking Florida is like big things, right? I don't know. I think of like, okay. like Florida. So it's like, of course, okay, you got me now. You got me. World. Yes. That's it. You got me now. The way you explained it helped. So that was much, that was much better. (laughs) Yeah. It's like monstrous. It's a world. And over here, it's just the land. So yeah, they went to the land, the Disneyland for two days, basically. And that exact point we brought up, right? Because we were saying about how exhausted we were just after 10 to 12 hours in Disneyland, you know? And so then we have the conversation around, well, is it, quote unquote, a break from your life? Or is it actually just like feeding and wanting to get into the frenzy because you don't have that in your life? Or is it going from one frenzy to another or fray, one fray to another fray, et cetera? That's that's fascinating that you brought that up. It's not off topic because it does have a part to play in that conversation around, you know, rest from work. Because if we're going to we're going to talk about working from home. And what that means and what that means specifically, if you and I can try to do our best with male, female, uh, labor, society, nature, et cetera, you know, the, that that is important. It is important for today to discuss that uh, of being, quote unquote, you know, OK with the downtimes away from the fray 
you know, would probably be best suited to something that you just went through, perhaps. You know, it's a it's a uh, dare we call it a regeneration opportunity. Mm-hmm. You know, it's an opportunity to uh, to not just like let it all go. It's an opportunity to like wind down and like have real relationship building and et cetera, perhaps. Yeah. And in that one, it was like also for me, it was like the difference between doing something like that or going the original plan would be to go. We were going to go to Carmel do the whole stay in the really nice resort, have the booked massages, the fine dining. And I was like, does that really replenish me? Mm. Just having no agenda. Yeah. 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 Spending through time out in nature away from people. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so I think even on that end, we've as a society, when we say I'm going to go restore myself, it has to be in this um, either a retreat, right? That's an itinerary, a yoga retreat that has a full itinerary built Mm -hmm. upon it. Or again, going to an all-inclusive where it's like, now we have all, we have to re-entertain ourselves, even though we're calling it relaxation. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so many things to think about there. Um, I think about a continuum of regeneration, right? And I think about individualization for regeneration, you know, that each person, like some people might be able to, you know, shut their brain down in Disneyland for three days, right? They really, so they're like, you know. They probably have had Mickey stickers, you know, for 50 years of their life. You know, they collect all the little, you know, so for them, it's like complete, utter joy, you know, just the environment, et cetera. So, you know, that could be a possibility. And I'm trying to I'm trying to talk about that as a continuum of like. So, for example, I know my wife and her friend went to Maribel in Tucson uh, for seven days and they really did like transform their brains. Like she came back a different person. Right. So there is this. I guess, continuum of like what shutting down is for the right person. But it does at least bring up the point of how to individualize that uh, for this. And for people who are not seeing how this ties into what we're talking about, we're talking about this perception of of getting away from work being inconsistent, right? But it, but it actually may not be. It's just, but our vision is of like, oh no, it's got to be 365 days and you just pump it out and you know, eh, it's like, it's like that sound, but really you may have to give a little space for, well, what are these recovery periods without even discussing, which maybe we'll get into is like, who actually has the opportunity to do that. Yeah. Right. So that's why I called it a continuum because some people do their own, you know, quote unquote, getaway. um, And it might be actually in their home. It may be in a book. It may be a babysitting opportunity. It may, you know, there's a little, but it's something for us to kind of, I guess, chew on to to tie into the, to the topic. And the difference between, you know, feminine and masculine. While I was on this trip, my boyfriend was not with me. He's actually golfing at a two day tournament. And I was like, that was like the gift to me is like, I know I'll have more enjoyment with my mom on this type Mm, of trip. Yeah. So just knowing what, I don't know when it comes to traffic, things like that, freedom and exploration and a little bit less schedule is relaxing for me. He needs an itinerary and feels relaxed when he has a plan. Yeah. Yeah. That does, uh, that does bring up our previous points on, you know, that each uh, let's call it, there's a, there's a masculine or feminine energy that are not always dressed in male, female with regards to 
what quote unquote winds that person down. So that that is something interesting that that are not these strict dividing lines, you know, for the classic stereotypical. Well, what you know, hey, you're a man. What winds you down? I don't know if that is a I don't know if that's a clear indication, you know, based upon where that man is in their life, you know, what that man's sexual stereotypes are, what that man's sexual preferences are. You know, I, I think it's a little difficult. It's a little more difficult. I think you just pointed that out in like, what is the typical wind down for male and female? I think that may, it may, they may differ for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, let's tie that back in though. Um, I had read an article from, uh, New York Times. I forget what the sh- I sh- really should have. Rest in peace. Oh, work thank you. Yeah, uh, not so. Yeah, so. so it was based upon some data that had been collected in. Um, oh, my wife is trying to call me. That might be important. I'm not going to take it, but if she calls immediately again, I may have to pick it up. Um, work from home. It's 2023. It's April, right? Yeah, it's April 2023. Uh, let's do a simple timeline on, uh, you know, COVID and it being, wow, it's just three years, right? The total three years of the like, you know, catastrophic kind of, oh my God. And then like how we dealt with it. So three years of that. Now in that period of time, if it makes sense, if you're, if you're actually, if you're actually going to have some, socially accepted uh there's still lots of argument in that but socially accepted like keeping from people then this is what you end up happening is that if people can't all congregate in a particular room or together or etc why because whatever this is may cause some problems then you're going to have to do something um as a reactionary approach right to fix the work situation so we are, and I'll just I'll just stop there to get your input just on that point alone. Do you feel, uh, Melissa, like I do, that we were just like ridiculously fortunate um, in in a number of cases? I will specifically speak for me and possibly for you of the of the benefit of having technology and the internet. You know, um, any initial thoughts on that before I continue my thread on you know the working from home possibility? I mean, I think that's where we were able to shine again, just in the OPEX model, where fitness got crushed so hard and COVID technology allowed us to pivot very easily with our clients. Yeah. Um, so I know when it when COVID hit, it was actually like the first time I was so thankful for apps and technology yeah. to allow us to stay connected to our clients, give them some rhythm and routine when everything felt like chaos. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it does then make me think about those who couldn't use technology as a base. Um, And I would hope, and there is, you know, you got to do your research and digging on it because it's generally these political, um, you know, these political tropes that you hear from media that, that kind of push a narrative that kind of get people into this. But um, I, I, I would hope anyways, that there were a lot of people who were, whatever that's called, supported if they didn't have that opportunity to use technology as a base support to keep their business going. What I mean by support, it could have been economic support. It could have been payouts to your staff. It could have been payouts to your company. Um, Now, I'm not going to say that that happened across the board to everyone, right? 
but you can't say that there wasn't enough money or possible economic balance given to those individuals who couldn't do that, right? It's a, anyways, I've, the, people can have argument with that. I've done my reading on it. It's actually a nothing burger, in my opinion. Um, you know, all you're going to get is people complain that, uh, oh, you shut down our businesses. Like, well, you know, well, how are your businesses supported, you know, based upon that, right? And uh, if it didn't continue after that, then I think you do have a good argument. Anyways, my point being is that um, I felt, and I just wanted to see from your perspective too, that uh, we were so fortunate. But whenever I whenever I do mention those things myself, it always makes me think about those individuals that that couldn't quote unquote transition to Zoom, or maybe they didn't have a a, a, a let's call it a laptop life or a possible laptop life, you know. Um, I, I just look outside and think about those gentlemen that are out there in this horrible heat uh, for the past number of years, building this like infrastructure around our facility, um, you know, during COVID times, you know, they they can't just play, Oh, well, just work from home. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's something to think about there in, in terms of the, my, my whole point being there is I wanted to raise the idea that work from home is definitely interesting in the concept of 2023, but I want people to really think what would, quote unquote, work from home look like in 1974, right? How about we don't have that base support? How how about we don't have the opportunity, you know, for individuals to, you know, I just kind of, I think about my dad in 1974 when I was born that year and he was working in the mines, you know, you know, or, or still has to be extracted from the ground in order to make steel, you know what I'm saying? So I just kind of think about, how tough that would have been where they couldn't rely on like computers, you know, and be dad, be at home on his computer, like moving the mill, you know, and, and moving the assembly line. Um, any thoughts on that, on the, uh, the appreciation for those who couldn't, you know, just transition into the work from home, just to kind of give it a little bit of, a little bit of space here. So we don't just well, talk we think about our area. Most of the people that we work with work in tech, at least where I'm at, but yeah. for anyone that did work in service, or um, was a part of keeping the office buildings working, what happened to them, right? So, you know, I always think of it as if you work for a tent company and they have a cafeteria, what happened to the people that were providing you food when the, when the offices shut down? Hmm. That's not something you can do from home. Yeah. <laughs> You're not baking from home, um, you know, or anything that did require someone to be in close proximity to another human being, like in labor, that's not something that you could do from your house. Yeah. Um, yeah the, a sad connecting story to that it is somewhat in part to this, but uh, of the data in a specific geographical area of Baltimore or a lower income aspect of Baltimore, they had, they had tens of thousands of children who now weren't going to get two meals a day yeah. because of what happened, you know? So I, I'm only bringing, I'm, I'm just bringing a little bit of energy to like the reality of what happened there uh, when we were like, oh, you know, I got to work from home. You know, I'm really I'm really disappointed. I got to work from home and try to figure it out. Well, there, there was something that, that was a lot with that, quote unquote, so, social isolation happened. There's a lot of problems that came with that. Right now, of course, there's arguments on, you know, the length of it and how much and et cetera. That's not for us for today, but. I just wanted to raise that point that 
that idea of it, we were very fortunate to be able to transition into that, right? Like I'm fortunate that my kids were able to be on a computer and still do some form of education, you know? And that your family had enough financial security to, again, provide them the things that they typically would get at school. Yes. Right? So with meals again, um, yep. during COVID, we did a ton to make sure that we were providing menstrual products that uh, kids could come pick up at school, mm. right? Because there's a lot of girls yeah. that rely on school yeah. for their menstrual products all school in high school, and now they're no longer going to school. So just like access to a lot of things we take for granted did go away when kids stopped going um, to school. And you also hit on the point there, again, it seems like we're sidewinding where we're not, because it is connected to working from home, but it's more connected to what does home mean? You know, because there's a lot, you may, you may give, you, you just gave me an idea of the, and this is seen in data actually now post COVID of all the really distraught relationships and abuses that happened in the home that school and work al- did not allow to happen. Yeah. yeah so the, the, and the, with the uh, feminine products, that made me think about that accessibility that you're not going to get in a home as was one example. Um, I thought about that too, for this, this idea of working from home and some, you know, let's get into maybe a more uncomfortable aspect of it, but I read it in the comments of the art or the article that you gave me, the, uh, the devil that was inside the concept of working from home made a whole lot of people work harder on their relationships. And they realized, you know what? I really don't like you. <laughs> you know, <laughs> this, this nine to five that was going on, you know, and this brings us to our topic, right? A male and female and fitness and life and et cetera. That was the devil inside of that. Is this like, oh, wow, you know, we got to make these, we got to have these questions now. Like, what are you going to do now that you're home? What am I going to do now that we're, you know, I mean, yes, so it, it brought up some of these more challenging things. Any thoughts uh, on that or highlights from the yeah, from home aspect, just on that alone of what it made us like, oh, uh, you know. I think it's um, ties back to some conversations we've had previously, again, of what we typically stereotype as women's and, and man's work inside the household. And just over time, right? Typically 50 years ago, what would a mother be doing versus a father be doing in um, in relation to like making sure the household worked in, and ran well. Yeah. And um, I'll link it, but one of the articles I had shared with James was just going more into most of the tasks that a husband would do or things you do once a week, once a month, once, you know, a quarter. If we're fixing something in the house, you're not usually fixing uh, the sink every day. Yeah. Whereas a lot of a task called, I'm sorry, it was called what to actually do about an unequal partnership. It was an interview with Kate Mangino. It was written by Anne Helen Peterson. It's on uh, culture study under Substack. Sorry, just so people can go refer to it. Um, But just going into, we kind of like break down what are daily tasks. Those are usually something that a female would do inside the household, right? If we're doing laundry, doing dishes, things that we just stereotypically would consider to be um, the work of a mm-hmm. woman. Those are things that need to be done daily. Mm-hmm. Whereas fixing um, broken things inside the house, doing maintenance type of work or building mm-hmm. usually aren't something that needs to be required to be done daily. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The uh, yeah. So first, first of all, I appreciate the article. Um, as I've read through it, it made me purchase out of office because it was a, a book also was quoted in NPR. Um, 
um, that, uh, for, first of all, I'll give the premise. I'll, I'm going to come back to that point. First, I'm going to give the premise of what they tried to do in the book, which was, which was good. Um, but I would ask, you know, mature minds to read through the article and, you know, so if you were to read this interview in Fox versus NPR versus CNN versus whatever, just be mature enough to recognize, just get the book and you can figure it out for yourself exactly what they mean by it. I hope you understand what I mean by that. But the premise of the book was to answer questions around what does work flexibility mean outside of a nine to five job? Um, it was the premise was um, uh, what are companies culture in a workplace scenario? Um, they were to look at questions around how technology design shapes our work practices. And the fourth premise was how work communities interact with home communities. And I thought, I think that's a really, so anyways, I'll read the book and maybe we can do a part two yeah. based upon that. But because, uh, I, you know, I don't want to give it, uh, make any assumptions as to what's covered inside of there. Um, but that was the premise of the book. And that that really... I mean, that's an admirable task to try to figure that out in 2023. Back to your point, I did take a couple of notes to kind of give people a background understanding of what we have discussed before and to give you a really fast, like, you know, lay down of it. Um, and timelines are always a way to go about doing this. So 30,000 BC, it's a hunter-gatherer lifestyle. 10,000 BC, hunter-gatherer lifestyle is now encroached by agriculture. Uh, Quote-unquote, dark ages, uh, religious connotation and the kind of concept of king and queen dominates that sex, you know, kind of composition. Uh, years of the Enlightenment, we have science, scientific reason, uh, a decrease in a religious thought based upon those male, female pieces, and an initial starting point, initial starting point of this premise of equality between sexes. Now, I'm not going to give credence only being an American extensionist or exceptionalist like I am, but it was the USA that was the first Western product that said we are actually going to talk about these things around equality, equality of belief, equality of sexes, equality of ethnicity, equality of work, etc. It doesn't mean we got it right for a long period of time, but we at least said we're going to put it in the papers and then let's figure out. The Industrial Revolution, as we're moving forward here in timeline, that's where labor started to become questioned, right? Labor and how this division occurred based upon natural selection of the work that needed to be done. Um, you include war in that, and you can see how it gets really dirty, in <laughs> materially dirty and psychologically dirty in terms of this division of labor. The 20th century was this monstrosity in a growth and i would call it a, a also a feminism timeline that went from suffrage quality of rights third fourth wave feminism through that entire stretch period that led to these science and technological changes sexual freedoms and my more pessimistic view an adaptation to an easier life um, and I don't intertwine that between you know all the hard work that went into sexual freedoms as being like easier now but all of that hard work led to a fairly easier, uh, you know, unclearly defined equal society. And now we have in the 21st century, we have this monstrosity of human advancement in freedoms, accessibility, et cetera, that we're, we're, we're really, we have the opportunity and the privilege, I guess, to even question what these things are in terms of male, female, where they sit, 
stereotypical things of labor, et cetera, et cetera. So I just gave a, a quick rundown of a historical context of how we get to this point of like recognizing that it's not just when you look out and see laptops and you want to have a conversation around uh, um, sex stereotypes with labor, you should recognize that there's a deep, long story in terms of, you know, those things that are uh, are still in our voices today. You know, that it's still it's still there. And it doesn't mean that it's right or wrong, but you just need to know that it's on a base support of a lot of work that has gone into getting to the point. So if you want to do a quick timeline of it, you know, first of all, remember, this is not hunter-gatherer society anymore. We have porcelain toilets and iPhones and and uh, education that coming out of the wazoo, I guess, in terms of different situations. And so now we have to deal with this, this idea of like in this new world of, and I'll stop here, uh, look for your input on that, just that point of a uh, timeline. We're, we're in this new area of work. Like what is work today? That that's that's where it starts to get uh, you know ambiguous, um, and I want to add another little thing to it. There is that it's hard to define this. My opinion, anyways, this work from home situation. If we don't truly define work and we don't truly define home, mm-hmm. so I'm not sure if you want anything to add to the timeline or just a point of that can keep going on that. Well, yes, because I'd say in that timeline, right, we saw technology um, diminish a lot of the tasks that were required in labor from men in households. You don't build a house anymore. We buy houses, yeah, right? Like, you, Or you hire people to do these. Um, there was a lot of technology that made the tasks of women easier, but they were still their task. Typically, right? You get a laundry machine, doing the laundry. Uh, you get an oven, but you're still cooking the meal, right? So electricity gave us all these things to assist, but they were still your job to do, right? And that's that's never really gone away. Whereas a lot of the hunter-gatherer things, right? Going hunting, now we go buy our food. So the diminishing of a lot of the things that were typically the male or the husband's responsibility are gone. Mm-hmm. But the things within the household are still there. Yep. Um, and so that leaves us with, you know, if you're going to work from home <laughs> in a in a post-COVID uh, era, um, I think, yeah, so let me let me back up on the the, the, uh, the thing we're agreeing upon there. We have to we have to have a new definition of when people just use they glibly use, by the way, work from home, I think you need to describe home more, more clearly, you know, so is it a, you know, 5,000 square foot uh, home in Arizona, you know, um, up in the mountains, or is it a 700 square foot, you know, uh, two bedroom spot in Brooklyn, you know, is it, um, is it an 800 square foot, three bedroom uh, place in South Chicago, you know, Uh, so we, we have to, we have to have a you know a conversation around what home means. Just the point that you were making there of like stereotypical things that happen for male and female around the home 
Well, in 2023, we we need to do then say, well, maybe you don't have a yard. Maybe you're not building a home. Maybe you do, you know, maybe you have robots take your trash out. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, we have to decide what home means. And I still think I would agree with you. I still think there's this, there's this energy that still permeates though, in terms of the sex, sex stereotypical chores or whatever we want to call them labor or unpaid labor at home that's still there regardless of the fact that we haven't defined home secondly we have to define work right so work meaning again it goes back to that like you know is it the people that are out here building this road or are you at this conglomerate company that you can just take your laptop and quote unquote still do work you know and what what is also inside of there is when we're describing home, I think we do have to give a little bit of an area to, um, I think it's the deal breaker all the time, but, but I believe me, that's my biased view lens, is children. So when there's, you know, and I, when I say children, I don't, I don't mean, and to take this the right way for people who believe that is their children, I don't mean two dogs, I mean three plus children okay so this is you know and let's just give an avatar they're nine seven and five okay so when when we have that discussion and that's called home in my opinion it takes on a whole different it takes on a whole different strategy because if we're if we're talking about a single parent with one child and their struggles inside of this whole concept of work from home and sex stereotype conversations. Listen, I love that conversation. I love coming up with strategies to kind of help one through that. But if we're not talking about a 15 to 20 year relationship of two people, right? Plus three plus children. You know, I'm saying there's a lot of ambiguity then in terms of like, well, what, what should people do in the home? If we're actually not talking about, quote unquote, I'm being reduced, a long-term relationship with three plus kids now it becomes you know a little bit more great what's your thoughts on that yeah i mean i I think you nailed it or where we've seen such conflict of who wants to stay working from home and who doesn't and where's it equal and fairs well if it's always been one way up until right 20 years there's been ingrained habits and patterns of who does what inside a household. And now all of a sudden that's disrupted. Uh, how do we pivot and change there? Yep. Because. <laughs> I mean, right. In that sense, if this is what your life has looked like with this person for 20 years, and now you're being, you know, there's animosity that you need to take on new or different responsibility. Mm-hmm. Um, and you don't have the communication skills to know how to even have those conversations. That's, I don't know how we fix that. Yeah, no, that is a tough one. In that situation, what I was talking about, a longer relationship post-COVID, working from home, and now there is new roles, quote-unquote, because that person, either male or female, is at the home now, and they have to you know, distribute, quote-unquote, unpaid labor more efficiently, right? Then by all means, I think that is a valid, valid argument of like, oh, shit, you know, we don't know what to do. And I'm not saying it's easy, but we don't know what to do. Um, I was just, I was just trying to, you know, pick on that point of how do we, how do we get to a point of understanding, you know, this, let's call it a new age concept 
uh, or, a, or a more modern concept of how to divide things, divide and conquer for the whole team, you know, in a post-COVID world of working from home uh, and just, and just you know, just get on with things, like get on with things positively. Like the article they did in the article towards the end is like, this is what I, my hope is, is that people's people's perspectives will change and we'll have children, as she mentioned in the article, we'll have children who look at this and go, Oh, interesting. Okay. There's, so I could, I could use personal anecdotes for myself um, to, to say that, like, I'm not, I don't do it as a virtue signal to my girls, but I'm kind of, I'm kind of proud of the fact that they get to see me doing non-sex stereotypical things around the home, not because I want to virtue signal it, but isn't it an unbelievable opportunity that in a post COVID world, those young girls get to see their dad preparing meals, developing schedules, et cetera, that used to be quote unquote, a sex stereotypical perspective. So I don't know, I don't know if you can glean anything from what I was saying there, but I still think it's a, it's a challenge when we discuss that like long relationship, three plus kids, and now having to figure out like, what the hell do we do uh, with that, with that labor or un, unpaid labor concept? Well, I mean, I just go back to again, if we know that work from home is going to stay, right? The New York Times article, you know, discusses from pre-COVID to now five times, it's five times more people are working from home than they were before. And that's mm-hmm. looking like it's going to stay. Um, what I found interesting in the article is to tie it into the conversation of what does autonomy look like for an individual when it comes to productivity. So sometimes for a female, um, I can work from home. And before we got on this podcast, I've already done two loads of laundry because it's really easy for me to be like, okay, if I'm on this for an hour, I can start this and get it done. And then I'll fold in my 10 minute break before I go into my next task. Yeah. So for me, my productivity can go up because I can get done everything I would do sitting at the gym working Mm -hmm. as I do inside my household. And I get some household tasks done throughout the day as well. Mm -hmm. So um, I found that part of the article really interesting is like, everyone has different personality types. So some people can thrive working from home if their job allows them to Yeah, and get both things done. Yeah. Uh, I think it works very well for also, I it didn't talk about it in the article, but just, um, you know, for me personally, you know, through, I know I hate to be anecdotal here, but like as a female that has a monthly cycle, there are periods of the month where I'm just not very extroverted and social. I want to come home and I want to get tasks done. I can sit and I can knock out programming really great. I just don't want to fake have to go talk to people. Yeah. And work from home does allow that in some way for a female to, you know, now we don't have to go into, oh, it's she's PMSing, she's being unfriendly in a work environment. She can get just get her stuff done and go into the office once a week, show face, have relationships with people, but also get done what needs to be done. Yeah. Um, so I think you know, we've seen for some women, it's actually been a benefit to have the ability to not have to go in every single day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I appreciate that. Because again, it, it, uh, I mean, I love that conversation around how nature, i.e. menses, cracks against society. <laughs> again, this, what the heck was that? Again, this uh, biological truth and constraint right i call it a constraint because it's because then it leads into not only that but 
the burden, the burden, burdensome or the expense of an egg, you know, and then the burdensome expense, you know, and take that the right way of three children. Right. So it, it does this. This is exactly why I find our conversations and the ability to discuss this as adults. It's it's again cracks that thing between what nature what nature is, right? And you heard it in Melissa's point there, right? Listen, nature would say that this is how my body operates per month, right? And this is what I'm capable of doing. And keep taking those dots into what is more capable of doing. Like, what is that female also more capable of doing? That is nature, right? Regardless of how we want to judge it, that is nature. But let's come back to reality, right? Uh, the way society is set up in a generalized sense does not offer a balance to that. It does not. Because to your point, right, you can't, you know, well, I, I should, I'm not going to, I'm going to speak for, you know, females in that position. They can't, quote unquote, call up and be like, hey, you know, just not feeling it today. You see what I'm saying? So, and, and our our point back to that can't be, well, suck it up, like, because society, <laughs> you know, and and think about think about all the shit we have to do, and I'll just, I'll speak on behalf of females. There, we females have to do in order to stick to that. Think of all the compensations. Think of all the I'll call it band aiding or duct taping, etc. Right. So so that I, I love that point you've made on it, and that does again cut into our biggest issue is recognizing this biological sticking point with regards to what society wants us to do. And I'm not just saying that again and again to prove a point or to, but it's just, we need to talk about it. We need to talk about it uh, to everyone and be open about the conversation on it. And then I think it'll, it'll work itself out. I think a little bit better if there's more mature adults having that conversation and both realizing you know, both sides of the argument of it. Yeah. And I wish I could say, you know, um, that, uh, you know, but I, but I, I can't, I mean, I can't, you know, I can't speak. I was always going to say, I wish there was a, you know, there's a male, you know, thing that's like, well, I, we have times, like we don't have times, you know, it's like, <laughs> I don't know. I'll speak, I'll speak on behalf of males. We don't have those times. Right. So doesn't it make sense that if there's a whole bunch of males that were naturally selected to get into that particular position to make those decisions, we're going to be like, what? You need that time? I don't I don't I have no idea what you're talking about. So you see what I'm saying? But but both sides need to recognize that we you know, the males need to recognize that perspective and females need to recognize that we're going to be thinking that way because we can't innately <laughs> come up with those with those understandings. Am I making sense there? Yeah. And that goes into, you know, when we see who is still pushing to have this flexible, you know, work from home, because a lot of what companies are trying to get to is where you have the freedom to at least like go into the office two to three days and maybe work from home two days. Yeah. Who's really pushing for that? And why are companies not pushing for it while um, employees are right? And and it's also you have to go to who created these work structures and who's mm -hmm. running them. And as long as largely from the lens of a male, um, no offense again, like some of these considerations may not be taken into account. Yeah. Um, so I like well, the I idea. Call it, I'm sorry to cut you off. I should call it, I should have called it. I apologize. Maybe you can change it if you wish to, but 
it's a it's a masculine imperative. Yeah. Right. Does that make sense? So so it's it's uh you know uh uh break things and fix them up, uh cr- create lists and kind of get shit done. Everything in squares and blocks in order. You know that is that is a masculine perspective, linear progression. Do you know what I'm saying? Now, so back to your point, is that does it end up males actually filling that masculine perspective? Yes, it does. <laughs> so, uh, and that's where the article brings it back to: is like as long as we have measurable KPIs to know what's actually going on, it shouldn't yeah. matter. Yeah. Right. So you know. Um, because again, then the fear goes into, if we're working from home, are we going to have these things monitoring every single click we do right in our, in our level of productivity? And we see that doesn't work as well. Mm-hmm. So it's like, how do we find great measurables to know that what we're paying someone is getting accomplished regardless of where they are? Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. and I think we've seen this in continuing education where some thrive being back in a lecture setting and some are still able to accomplish the same thing, um, taking a class online, you yeah. know? Yeah. Um, I can give a personal anecdote to that too. I'm not sure where it fits into the story, but I was born and formative years were in an analog situation. So it actually aged me very quickly to be in a technological world. You know, I I lived and breathed for the in-person conversations and teachings, et cetera. And then when we went online, I aged very quickly. Like it exhausted me. I became resentful of certain situations like it just took the life out of me, right? And now it ends up where I am now, ironically, talking online in a picture format with someone who's no, nowhere near me um, and educating, you know, uh, not in that in-person setting because it was just too draining for me, you know? So I can give that perspective of like, you know, there's some people that will resonate with that and that just so you can see my biases too. That's why I love the in-person relationship, hugs, you know, handshakes, uh tears of joy you know shared with one another you know picking up on lip quivering that you can pick up in person you can't pick up you know online like you know see i'm just trying to speak to my biases there of the opposite case where you go in a technological world and sometimes people just will not resonate with that i wonder if that's a generational thing possibly but it's like where do we find that blend though yeah right where can we have that where it's like you know, I think that's where the flexibility has come in as we still go into the office. We're still yeah. getting that person connection time. Yeah. I know that a team meeting on Zoom is by no means for me as productive as an in-person one. Yeah. You know, we're truly able to connect, collaborate, right? Pick up on each other's key, like body language. It's completely different behind a screen as it is in person. Um, yeah. But you, you do know. Yeah, you do uh, make us uh, come back to our point of our podcast of defining relations, right? So we have to define, to your point, you have to define what relationships are, right? So um, I'm fortunate, right? I have a relationship with my wife, relationship with my children, with my neighbors that keeps me, quote unquote, you know, homeostatic and stable and content, right? But, you know, that's why I thought if it was a generational thing that it's possible where, you know, uh, you extract that in person, let's back to our point of work, you know, a work community and a culture that people like really livens them up and how it could be dismay by working at home. Right. Would you agree that there's probably a percentage of people that want to go back to the office? You know, well, so I, uh, when we started this, when this topic came up, I thought of a really unique one that to kind of come from a client conversation of um, when some of the 
actual bigger gyms to close down for COVID, right? Think about like an Equinox that had to close down. Um, say you have a trainer that goes and works out of her garage instead, mm-hmm. right? Is able to train all of her Pilates clients at home. Yeah. She's a reformer. And it's like, yeah. why am I ever going to go back to Equinox? Yeah. But now she never leaves her garage. Yeah, And she's seeing clients back to back to back from 8 a.m. till 2 p.m. when she goes to pick up her son and then comes home and cooks and does all the family chores and now has no place to go, Yeah, right? Whereas at least within going to an external place like the Globo Gym every day, she saw other instructors. She saw people walking around. She got to be a person. Yeah. Now that's been taken away because her whole entire day is spent either doing household chores or right in the garage with that one-on-one relationship, but she doesn't actually get to go be around people. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was a really cool one for me to see because there's been such a shift in her, right? Because she's lost that social interaction of getting to be just around people. Yeah. Yeah. You raise a, yeah, that's a great story. Um, um, just to reiterate, that's, that's why you're here. You're you're the you're the one in the trenches that needs to continue to offer those because it gives a reality punch to a concept here um, and a reality punch to just what we're discussing. It also it also makes me remember Melissa, you know your thoughts on this, but how this whole you know work from home is such a generalized idea, you know that uh, we're not taking into individual stories we're not taking into context right we're not even defining work we're not defining home we're not you know but my point being is that don't you find that ambiguity uh-huh. in that whole thing just kind of creates trouble right so there are some truths i.e. there was a ton of people who had to and there's data that had to work from home and now there's a ton of people that are not going to go back to work right but inside of all those stories it's not always butterflies and rainbows, right? And it's not always doom and gloom either, right? So each one has to be taken into consideration if we clearly define work, relationships, and what home means. And uh, anyways, I'm just offering a you know an opportunity for us to realize when you're in the ambiguity, just be ready for multiple different changes of your mind for different stories. And that's why I love the power of what you're offering to this relationship, as well as our consultation we've done with people. You know, we get to see that it's not all sliced the same way for people. Um, but that doesn't discount that I still want to, like, I still want to discuss the the fitness aspect of yeah. this. So what would be a lead into the fitness aspect of it? Because if you don't know, I have a, I, I have a, uh, just for current times, I have a pretty you know, I would call it like a contrarian view on on the concept of of that from home. I, I kind of explained it, um, you know, pretty clearly to some unhappy, you know, listeners. Uh, immediately as the epidemic happened, you know, we, OPEX was seen as like, oh, you guys are leaders in this field. So you need to get out there and like tell people what to do now that they're in their homes. And my first, you know, 10 minutes of the thing was like, are we really all getting together to talk about how anxious we are that we can't exercise on our own? Like, you know, my, my whole point was like, you know, isn't this making you realize what truly matters? Like, you know, your immune system health and your health of your relationships and like, you know, but we were all like, Oh, tell me what to do. I I can't have a coach. I can't have a gym. I don't have my dumbbells. Like, you know, so anyways, so you can understand there how I feel on that, right. With regards to, my concept of free fitness and accessibility 
Monday, Wednesday, Friday, do, you know, calisthenics or yoga or Pilates or uh, whatever, P90X or something in your home, resistance, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, Sunday, go outside for a walk for hours, you know, and, you know, uh, just, you know, wipe your hands of it. <laughs> and anything above that, remember, this is just my humble opinion, anything above that, uh, I'm willing to have a discussion on it, but uh, what is fitness then, you know? So any, any thoughts on that? I'm sorry, I shouldn't be leading that by uh, my contrarian view on it. But anyways. You know, again, I type actually. Maybe you can pull me back. Maybe you can pull me well, back. She brought it, like, the New York Times one talked about the concept of autonomy. And for us, when COVID hit, it was the most fulfilled I became as a coach again because it gave people, they were at home. And I was like, we can start all over again here. What can your perfect day look like? Preparing food going for a walk, right? Mm. Because now I know you don't have a commute. So you say it highlighted the opportunity for autonomy. It did. It did yeah. because guess what? Value that no longer happened on the coaching floor had a conversation to help clients navigate those things because everything was like, you need to now get a Peloton. You need to do this. What are we going to do for our fitness? It was like, mm. we just, how many hours did we just get back and not commuting? How can we use that time? Because now you have the gift of time to go for a walk every day. Mm. Right. Nice. We have the time to prepare meals in the house. Nice. Like, what does that look like? So uh, it's the first time, you know, I'd say for the last three and a half, four years where I fully started doing unplugged walks versus podcast. Mm. Right. You always talked about being truly unplugged, but it wasn't until COVID hit that I was like, just jamming outside all the time going on walks. <laughs> and now I, you know, I can't even imagine putting a podcast on when I'm outside, mm. um, you know, but that was it is like working from home. If you have, again, established rules of what is work and what is home. Right. So it did require a lot of conversation of, and it still does with clients that work from home. Mm -hmm. How do we make sure we're taking a half an hour to an hour lunch break? Because sometimes employers can now expect you to be available all the time. And if we don't have some boundaries, it's hard to prioritize fitness. Because I would love to say that every client, if they're working from home, should be able to eat lunch and then go for a 20 to 30 minute walk before going back into their work. That depends on the boundaries you've established with your work. Um, but, you know, that's where fitness comes in is if you're working from home, there's no reason why, you know, for a lot of our clients, they can't be getting in now more time outside in sunlight and going for walks. Yeah. Um, you just have to create your own schedule of what that looks like. Yeah. Thank you for that. Um, yeah. Cause again, I don't, I don't know. I don't see that happening, you know, just cause I don't see it happening around me. Um, but I'm glad it did, uh, you know, bring up the concept of autonomy or the, or the conversation around autonomy. Maybe that opportunity did highlight that for people. Um, I would hope that there was a number of people that kind of, you know, whether I like it or not, you know, purchased the Peloton or figured out something for their own, their own well-being and their own definition of health. Maybe someone got online to a free calisthenics home program, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, you know, and uh, didn't come back to a gym and didn't pay the the fees anymore. Right. Maybe they did create that. Um, anyways, that's my, that was so. The unique one I would say is coming out of COVID. Um I don't take on remote clients. I only have clients that have started with me and have moved to training on their own at home or something like that. Mm -hmm. And it's all my, a lot of my female clients. When COVID happened, mm -hmm. we just reorganized their day 
they have some basic weights and stuff at home and they didn't come back into the gym because it gave them the space to realize they don't need me. They know how to move well. They don't need my hands. They don't need my like coaching on a daily basis. Mm. Every once in a while we'll video something, you know, if we're doing yeah. a new skill or something. But outside of that, um, most of my female clients, they didn't come back into the gym after COVID. Mm. Uh, and that was the only thing I can say uniquely goes into the difference between my the females and the men's the men I work with mm. is a lot of the men still liked having that external place they went to every day. Mm. Like a part of their routine, leaving the house. Even if they had the same access to equipment at home, they were the first ones to come back into the gym to like have that space outside of their home. Mm. Where the majority of my female clients, if they had a basic gym built at home, that's where they still train. Mm. Yeah. So that makes me think about two things. Um, what OPEX gyms, you know, we, we, uh, well, in my mind, I, I, I propose that that's what we're, we're the only group offering this concept in my mind, right? It doesn't mean that you go scour all the OPEX gyms uh, around the world and you're going to see that all day to day. But what I, what I propose that OPEX gyms are, is the unique offering is that opportunity to have people come in for a couple of years in a relationship and without, without COVID provide the, uh, the self-knowledge so that they could live the rest of their life healthily, right? Without the confines of the gym, right? So that's what I that's what I theoretically propose OPEX's offering is to the world. It doesn't mean it's always taking place or it does, but I, I'm, the reason why I'm saying that is that people may not understand what is defined in what Melissa does and our quote unquote OPEX project. So I wanted to, you know, give some space to that. Now, I would say just inside your story, we're kind, it's kind of unfortunate, but it is fortunate that COVID happened because it made us realize a number of these things, right? It, it fast-tracked this whole concept that I've had for a long time of like, you do know that you can learn these things to take care of yourself, right? And then, and then COVID kind of like, boom, fast-tracked that. You know why? Because we couldn't touch each other, right? So now we're like, you know, to your point, you were like, listen, you <laughs> Uh, you're going to have to figure this out, right? Like you actually have all the tools, right? And if it takes me three months of like making you realize you have all the tools, then sure, I'll do that. So I wanted to speak to that. Um, second, I also wanted to speak theoretically around what the future would hold, because that's why I thought this topic would be interesting, is that imagine a world in which every child that finishes any form of education never has to rely on big fitness anymore. Meaning that this child has all the skills, right? All the skills necessary to devise their own exercise programs for 65 years after they're finished school, right? And to know how to source their own fuel and maybe even grow it themselves. Um, so imagine a world of that. Now then say, well, what does home look like? And that's a world that I see in the future, which would make me die really happy, is that a number of homes have their own, quote unquote, movement challenge area in a particular home or in a community or a green space that's nearby that everyone is in on. Both parents, all children, full accessibility, free accessibility to all this. Uh, that that's the that's what I would consider. OPEX has a timeline in that 
of getting to that possible future in the world. Um, I always love when we talk on this one because we do have, um, actually he's not with me anymore, but we have a, a coach that has a two-year-old um, R2 and I'll bring him on here at some point. But, um, you know, COVID was that opportunity where he and Luca um, prepare breakfast every morning together. You know, uh, he grows his own garden. So like Luca knows where food comes from and he knows how to climb and play and do all those things. And it's just like, um, and, and Archie's done an amazing job, even with our youth athletes or the kids that we have had in our gym that came for sport um, and actually utilizing his relationship to teach them those things where these kids now know how to fuel themselves, have taken over the responsibility of preparing their own food, mm. which is a hard conversation to navigate with parents that are not a part of our system. Yeah. Um, those middle school kids now prepare their own food. Um, they have healthier relationships with what, you know, nourishment can look like. That's awesome. um, and so that's been a really cool thing that we've been able to do. And I think COVID did allow that in a lot of ways, especially when kids were at home. Yeah. Now we can have the conversation. Well, what do you want to eat for lunch? Mm-hmm. You know, we don't have the constraints of now we don't have time because we're running out the door in the morning. It's like, well, you can scramble eggs at 10 or 12, right? Let's just, let's give you some basic skills. And that's also then yeah. setting people up, you know? Um, so I think we go back to work from home. It just gave us in some special scenarios, more time to dig deeper into conversations around food, fueling, um, what movement looks like outside of a gym setting that we typically didn't have, you know, um, beforehand. It was the disruption we needed. Yeah. In a lot of ways. So now it's like, how do we keep that? Yes. If everyone's going back into the workspace, do we still make sure we're protecting those things? Yeah. Yeah. Cause I think with those things you proposed there and what I was mentioning of that theoretical idea, I think all the cards then fall away of all this, I call it noise. Like it's just a whole lot of shit we want to talk about and complain about, but all the conversations around uh, sex stereotypical things in the home, uh, sexual relationships and how those are defined, same sex, different sex relationships, et cetera. Um, all of these things, they all fall away when you realize that everyone has a right, a human right to have knowledge around how to take care of themselves. Right. It just everything, everything we stop, we stop, you know, coming up with things and complaining about things when we realize, wow, like it's right here, you know? So if you're just an individual, right, I'm sure I could give you, you know, you know, a couple of little hints or clinical pearls that I may be too old to make sense of for younger people today. But I would say that for sex stereotypical males to get to that point, um, we need, you need to fix your shit. I don't know any other way to say it, but you know, you need to really, um, yeah, you need to fix your shit and you need to not, you know, whatever the difference is in not being an asshole, that's what you need to do. And you need to be, um, you need to have a little bit more candor with your, your relationships. That's what you need to do. Um, and you do need to do physical challenges and be aggressive in those physical aggressive challenges, right? Um, and that all that work together, that will make you, quote unquote, compete, compete amongst your own, right? To have the greatest personal potential of yourself. Now, I, I will also speak for females just, you know, glibly as a father, just because I can only add to that. But I'm not going to speak as a female for that. You need to be extremely picky, extremely picky. And you need to ask for something more. And I, 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 I'll just stop at that because there's other things I could add to that. But 
Um, yeah, that that in itself there defines, in my opinion, to give to to uh, to like set up a future, because what you're getting there is that two people that are going to work together, work together. Right. That's the whole thing. You're going to work together on whatever that future is. If that future is to give to give both of you enough capability of having reproductive success three times, then I'm really happy for you. But the reality is that that reproductive success may not willingly happen. You may not want to happen. You could still be reproductively capable, but it may not happen. So if that is the case, you still have to, on that base support of what I said, work together to define what work is, what home is, right? And what fitness is for you. And I would hope that that all intertwines for people could recognize all the cards of bullshit will fall away if we recognize that you gaining that self-confidence in yourself is the starting point. So you could be anyone listening into that and grab something and and uh, go with it. Could you add anything to the, uh, to my, um, you know, was I woman-splaining there? Is that what the term is today for uh, the, the pickup of that? <laughs> I think we are uh, just the point of the beacon, right? For the for the stereotypical feminine energy that is listening to that. And I just offered only one of just being picky, but I think it's also fearful of expressing those feelings. Mm. We want or we have these set things that are supposed to happen in timeline around like you meet this person, you get married, these things, right? And we we seek those things and not the person. I get a lot of clients that um, have had careers now or are hitting their thirties and hit this like over 30 zone where it's like, I need all these things really quick. And they're looking for the person that's like hits, checks all the checklists with making enough money, can buy the house, mm. but has to ask a question of, do they want those things? Yeah. You know? So I think it's like, in being picky, you also have to be really crystal clear on what you want. And it's okay to say you want a family. Mm -hmm. And yeah. that at that point you do want to take a break in your career to be a mom. Yeah. You know, and I think a lot of women are scared to say those things as mm -hmm. well. So we could say or confidence, they, confidence yeah. in the feminine, right? Have confidence in it. Uh, be proud of it. You know, the I call it the small P pride, right? Have pride in terms of what that is for you in that essence. Because um, I, I can sense it. There is a there is a real positive feminine collective energy of that. That is not, you know is not uh, dark and like uh, nefarious. It's There is a positive aspect to that, but it comes in a form of what I, what you described there in self-confidence of that. Um, and I, think I think another thing, sorry, just because I thought about it, it came up. We also have to talk about, you know, that concept of work and future work, you know, um, with this wonderful spot of, and the data would show it, of, females in a higher percentage of educational institutions in percentages of like absolute numbers being higher and this concept of work, right? So, you know, what does work mean? So I just, I think about it for my daughter, Chloe. Okay. Mm -hmm. So what is, what is, what is the future of work for her? Like what, what does that actually look like? And I think the future of work is going to be in a technological world, let's just say 15 years, okay? So are there all those, like we said previously, biological sex stereotypical constraints in a new world 
in a new world that maybe doesn't require a quote unquote nine to five in an office over there with all this like clamoring to get to the top of something. Do you see what I'm saying? We have to, we have to rethink like, what does that look like for Chloe? And I keep thinking that we may come back around of having a better balance over time because of the, this darker side of automation, technology, AI, et cetera. Maybe we will get back to a point where we can have that classic, dare I say, traditional concept <laughs> uh, of everyone working, you know, both both couple, both people working, whatever that couple is, both people working and children. Why? Because there isn't as much constraints of society asking that of you because work is different. And I always go back to like, you know, I think it can work and I think it's a positive thing because I can also look at there was a period of time where it wasn't beneficial for children to be so coddled by their mother that they had no skills. Because we see it, I see it with you know, the 20 year old or the 25 year old that comes into my gym that doesn't know how to cook a single thing for themselves because they went from mom cooking every meal to going to college where they ate in a dorm. And now they don't know how to take care of themselves. Yeah. So I think there is this balance where it's like children are participants in their home. Yeah. They participate in cooking meals and doing laundry and house chores so that they know how to function and take care of themselves, you know, and, um, and then those tasks are more divided amongst everyone in the household versus this concept of the stay-at-home mom that dedicates her whole life to doing everything for her children and enabling them from being able to take care of themselves. Yeah. Um, that's where I see the perfect blend, you know, but there, yeah. I will say, cause we just brought it up. There's a few places where I know it can still be a challenge for women to, to blend into the workforce. I went to the giants game oh, yeah. this week or I went to giants, uh, to a baseball game. Yeah. And it was the first time, you know, that I had been to a real game to see a female out on the field as a coach. Mm-hmm. Which as a, a girl growing up, I always thought, you know, if I want to be in baseball, I'll be in marketing because yeah, yeah. coaches. Yep. And you know, it was awesome to see her there. But when you're on um in a sport setting, yeah, and you're going from off season to on season, um, mm-hmm. it may be difficult to uh ever have a family yeah. when you don't believe the team. So yeah. there no are a few unique things where it's oh, like yeah. We make the choice to go into that as a career. Yeah. We do have to make some hard decisions on something we'll need to be sacrificed. And, um, you yeah. know, being a coach and having other female friends that have gone into higher sport, um, I do know that is a constant conversation of struggle of just choice sometimes. Yeah. Of- yeah. yeah. I, I wholeheartedly agree with you. Um, I don't know if I'd be able to find percentages of where that does occur, but it does still occur. Um, notwithstanding, um, I don't like sport being used as a base support of any of that conversation. Yeah. Um, you know, as I said before, uh, but I won't go into it. I've, I've done, I think I've done enough talking on that as sport, you know, is not real life. So you can't use any examples in sport to be like, see, see there, there. It's like, well, that's not real life, but that does not mean that I do agree with your initial point that there are situations based upon those females in those positions and there are some challenges, right? I do not disagree with that whatsoever. Um, I would certainly hope that this whole theoretical concept that I propose of like kids knowing how to take care of themselves, prepare their food and do their own exercise programs washes away all those issues. So you can't become 25. In 10 years, you can't say, well, I don't know how to prepare my meals. Like, we'll fucking figure it out, right? And, you know, maybe you're gonna have to pay more for it. 
You know, maybe because you don't have the knowledge, you're going to have to pay more in order to do that. Maybe you're going to have to hire a coach in 10 years, right? And that should be a high cost. You know why? Because you actually, you're not even aware of the fact that you do know how to take care of yourself and exercise. Do you see what I'm saying? So that, that kind of quashes all that, but it doesn't still disregard the fact that there's a number of 20 to 35 year olds, I do agree, walking around because there was a, because there was parents that just did stuff for them. And let's, let's, I just finished the Joy Luck Club is a good, good example of that by Amy Tan. I mean, yeah. it's, it's prolific in certain ethnicities, right? That, that, that's just what happens, right? And then it draws lines of culture and perspectives and understanding. You know, I, I get it. I totally get it, but it still doesn't, it's still, we still can't take our finger off the idea that it is expected of you to figure your shit out, right? It is expected of you. You have like, oh, I don't know where to find that information. If you looked on YouTube lately, like uh, the internet, you know, www.ht, whatever, you know, I'm just being a, a dick on that, but you understand my point, right? Like the information is out there. It's all free. You know, how to, how to <laughs> listen, if my 14 year old has now decided that every Tuesday before we go to Coeur d'Alene is her night to like uh, design and make a meal, you know, after school, then don't, you can't, you got nothing. You cannot tell me at 25 that you can't run your own shit. You know, you yeah. can't tell me that. So anyways. we did that last summer at uh, the end of summer when uh, all our two's kids went back to high school, like school, they did like a potluck and all the kids had a prepare it their parent oh, couldn't participate awesome. they had to bring something that's so good. and share and say like why it was meaningful to them and like you know they all tried different foods and it was so cool to see a bunch of like you know middle school boys <laughs> bringing meals they prepared making, making blobby <laughs> cookies my buddy kirk my buddy kirk <laughs> in high school made penises penis cooking <laughs> he brought to like this is that that whole story there is is so beautiful <laughs> right this is the 1980s right where you're you're actually allowed to make your own cookies and he brings in penis cookies but he shapes it in a way that you know it's a penis but he has an out right where where he could just tell the teacher that's not a penis that's a whatever but everyone else knew that they were penises <laughs> my, my story in there is so good we laugh at that but but kirk knew how to make cookies this is what we're missing here right is like so think of all the shit that gets in the way of that happening today Right. All the parents screaming, you can't bring in cookies into the school. <laughs> you see my point? Like, it sounds it's funny, but it's actually dystopic. We're at that point where we, we don't. Oh, no, no, no. I don't want my 12 year old making cookies and bringing them in. Why? Why don't you see that? That See, this is my point that I tie into physical freedom. Right. There's a lot of people and parents uh, protecting their children from these freedoms. Right. Why don't you want your kid coming up with designing their own exercise program? See, yeah. this, is the, this this does tie then in. Right. It's like, oh, I don't want them getting hurt. Are you kidding me? This is that's your first go to. Is this the same thing as the cookies being brought into the school? Right. Yeah. Anyways, that that ties into our point on, you know, the what I what I would hope is that over time, young people will not have to rely on big fitness in the future to tell them what to do for exercise and to tell them what to eat. And then if that is a future that may or may not be true, then, you know, this whole conversation on working from home does look differently. 
because work is different, like how we define it. And therefore, home is different as to how we define it. Um, so I appreciate that that back and forth on the idea of like, you know, giving my idea of my daughter in the future, like maybe she doesn't rely on, you know, an office. Maybe she doesn't rely on hierarchy in a corporation. You know, see, this, so this changes all of those, all of those ideas on what working is. And then this, you know, I, and I hope people are picking up there. You know, if she does have and she wants to have reproductive success, right, then you can see how Chloe and let's just say in the most strenuous terms has four children, right, over a period of 12 years or whatever. Um, Do you see how if the whole concept of work and working from home is different, do you see how it all changes our whole perspective, right? It changes everyone's perspective. I don't know. I think that's a future that we have to be prepared for and should be excited about. Um, I think that relies heavily on like we just talked around of, you know, what does, um, and what the article talks about is like, what is responsibility and inside of a home that allows both partners to be able to have the flexibility to work and have home life balance. Yes. Because I think it is beautiful to see a family, um, or husband and wife to start a family and have the husband be a participant in those early days at making sure his wife is fed and nurtured, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? Because he has some basic home skills and he's been a part of that conversation, mm-hmm. yep. which, you know, my hope then is for coaches that are listening to this, that like, this is a conversation. If you have a female client in your gym that says she's, you know, preparing to have a child and the husband's in that gym, that he is a part of these conversations, <laughs> Right, that you are the coach that's pushing that client to ask, what do they know? Yeah, right? yeah. Are they prepare to cook. Do they know what to best nurture their wife and yeah. nourish her in those first six weeks? Yeah. Do you cook those meals? Right. Do we have a plan? And just it is, you know, as a coach, you get to be the one to push that conversation a little bit more because yes. you're setting up this next generation to be so much more healthy and successful. Yes, great point. Um, that actually could be a. Uh, point of interest for a podcast another time just personal because we said we were going to do that sometime is just give personal anecdotes of personal stories of individuals like actual people uh, in which we've had those consultations and those points of what Melissa just mentioned of you know because I can remember numerous times of that female who was going to get pregnant and one of the checklist things that I wanted her to do was to get her partner in here Right. Because as soon as they sat down, I was like, dude, you got to pick your shit up. Right. Like this, this whole thing will not work if you don't develop this skill, recognize this. Do you know this is the reality? Like, you know, and I just remember the eyes. I'll just pick a particular avatar of the guy across the desk that I was like, yeah, you know, that golf game three times a week with business meetings and drinking. It's not happening anymore. Right. So it's just a stark like this is what you signed up for. You got to pick your skills up like tomorrow. So I could give stories like that to your point that would motivate or inspire a younger group. But it, it, it again, it it comes back to my my opinion. Anyways, it comes back to those people who are not in the position of one a relationship or two a relationship plus children. You have to think about these things now, right? You have to think about these things now because that leads into you, of course, having a pathway of like you know what. I'm five years out from number one, a relationship. I'm 10 years out from number two, even maybe having kids in that relationship. 
I need to think about those things like right now. Like, do I have the skills <laughs> to operate in a future world that says you are going to have to do those things? You know what I mean? Like that that's the reality. That my point I was picking with Chloe is that in that relationship, regardless of what it looks like, I would hope that there's not as many constraints on society, on the biological, right? I would hope there's not as many constraints. So my hope is, is that automation and technology and et cetera can provide that possibly, right? So let's just say it in re reduced terms, in layman's terms, there is a man and a woman and three children in a home, but they have a home gym. They have quote unquote shared duties in how that home operates and both individuals are working. Yeah. You see, so th this this shakes up this whole, you know, I guess the idea of the ambiguity and the noise inside of like, yeah, but you're not doing this. And yeah, you're not applying this. And this is meant for this person. And this is supposed to be for this person and et cetera. So I would hope that's the case. And I, I think that comes back, you know, where I always hate to say that an OPEX gym comes in, but it's like, it's, it's understanding someone's values in the values of the family, right? If we have a shared value around health, then we prioritize that both people get access to time to get to go do that workout. And kids grow up seeing that mom goes into the gym to do her training. And it's not a, well, I don't get to go work out because they scream the second I leave them alone. Mm -hmm. Right. Our, all of our moms, their kids learn really quick to stay away from a barbell when mom's working out and then they don't do it ever again. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's like maybe two or three times that the, four-year-old wants to follow you out there. And then he realizes it's self-entertained because mom's going to go work out and she does this all the time. It's routine and a part of her day. So I think that's where it's like, uh, you're right. It's like, even for a younger person consultation, you have to keep having these conversations in two to three years when we do decide to have a family paint that picture, because then we're going into this with our eyes open. It's like, it's yeah. ingrained. We've got these good habits. We've got this like cohesive routine between both partners and that can be, again, I don't care if it's the same sex or what type of relationship yeah. you're in. It's respecting that we share these values as a couple. And these are the things we want to, you know, support each other in both having. Yeah. Um, well, I want to say that we we need to continue to stop being like apologists for us actually being the only gyms in the world that offer this. So I think from here <laughs> forward, I would actually say... <laughs> Just because I want to be challenged on it, right? Because I mean, people want yeah. to write in, you know, and be like, hey, you know, our gym does that. Well, then great, yeah. you know, great. But I think we're the only ones, right? So I'll, I'll be more, you know, because you were saying, um, I don't want to say that we do it, but OPEX gyms, yeah, I'm proud of that fact. I mean, that was the whole concept of our idea. It took us like a bunch of trips up kind of get to that point, but it's like, actually, we got something there. I mean, would you agree with me? We could still do, quote unquote, a better like in-person job of being emblematic of that situation. What, what I, what she just, what Melissa just said is that I want you to hear the, the whole situation of a child seeing, seeing their mom do physical challenges for herself, for herself, right. Says everything to that child says everything to that child. Not only like, I don't get in mom's way when she's working out because she's a narcissist that wants to show everyone what she's doing. No, that's not that's not what goes on in our gym. So I think, would you agree with me? We could probably over time do a better job of that, like, quote unquote, family fitness concept so that people, you know, inside that family, because that's a beautiful story you just gave there of the mother 
seeing the sort of the daughter or the child seeing the mom doing physical challenges is not just to offer space for the mom. It's for the child to see that the mom is the emblem, right? The mom is the emblem of asking the most of herself, doing it because she can and doing it for her. So that, that I, then I, back to my point, I think that's only going to happen in an OPEX gym um, where you're going to see that. You may have like babysitting occurring where the kid is looking up over a thing, let's say in a high intense gym. But what is that saying, right? That That kid is learning, oh, that's where my mom does physical sacrifice, right? And this narcissistic play on, oh, look at me doing this stuff and suffering, right? So you could see that people could talk a big talk. Oh, we have that too. Do you really have that? Do you really have that? So anyways, I, you know, I apologize, but I, uh, I'm i not going to apologize. I'm, I'm proud of the fact that we may have a future space for that. But what's your thoughts on us? You know, Do we have some room to still grow and improve in that, to be that emblematic situation of uh, the chill, child seeing the parent like doing that? You know? Yeah, and I think it's like we're still growing and evolving, right? I think it's it's been... I say I've seen it the most because, you know, I'm in the handful of OPEX gyms that's been around the longest. Mm-hmm. We're going on almost a decade. I've taken 20 year olds into now being parents to, to have enough people coming through. I, I don't need to touch a thousand people and yeah. you touch my community. So to have enough members now be those families for it to authentically be what we are, Yeah, you know, uh, I, I have, they're all about the four to five range, year old range now. Mm-hmm. Of those 20 year olds that are now the parents. Yes. You have the kids that come in that know how to, again, when dad does a handstand push up, eh, yeah. we're not going to go try to say hello to him. We're going to move away two steps. <laughs> but now we know dad does this, right? Yeah. And we've seen where he goes, or, you know, if he's working at home, they get to grow up seeing it. And it's cool mm-hmm. to see them be too mm-hmm. small to play on the rings to come in and learn how to hold the ring to then swing themselves. And yes. then how that transfers into how they play in the playground. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, I think for, the gyms that are still younger, it just takes a little time. Yeah. You got to have a couple of reps of parents going from not being a parent to being one. Yes. So. Yeah. Yeah. And to finish on our point of where we have like dividing lines between, or such as you can't see me on, on yeah. video, but the mesh of male and female or masculine and feminine is that if you're sitting in the seat, you know, uh, listening to that, you know, I just want to say that we have to get far more comfortable with uncomfortable. I know that's a cliche term. I've said it before, but what I mean by that is that we have to get more comfortable with non-traditional perspectives of the future of quote unquote relationships of work. And therefore, you know, what work from home means. I think we're going to have to get more comfortable with that. And the more that anyone out there has an irk to like hang on as hard as possible to the quote unquote traditional sex stereotype perspectives of work, um, I would just caution that if you don't have a big, if you don't have lots of tools in your toolbox or dare I say swords in your, in your, in your, you know, whatever, um, you, you better come swinging with something that's a little bit more intelligent. Because you're not looking at the future and you're not looking at like what we're going to have to kind of what we're going to have to realize, you know, of this, what I call it, the balance of automation technology that blends with biological constraints. 
you know, we're going to have to kind of work our way around that. So anyways, that's what I would finish on in my point. Anything to finish on or review of what we discussed today, Melissa, or maybe any learnings or. Just, uh, no, no good learning. I think just more um, I, I'm leaving this one actually optimistic for um, what the workplace can look like for. Yeah, true. Women. And also just for families in general moving forward. I think we've been so pessimistic of like uh, work from home was this doing to families. But I think there's also like a lot of positives that can come out of this. Yeah. In the next, the next generation. And, and to that point, too, and I'll hit on it again. Sometimes positives come from that turmoil. Like the point I yeah. meant of like, OK, you're working from home. You now don't like your partner. It's probably better off you figure that out right now. <laughs> like that is turmoil. And yeah, yeah, it may lead to like single parents and a whole bunch of distraught relationships. But I would much rather that the world gave you that opportunity, right? We created this, <laughs> the technology yeah. and COVID, right? So, hey, deal with it. Um, so, you know, on that point, yeah, I do. I do feel optimistic, which is not often, but I do feel optimistic about um, hopefully what people will come to understand is that work home relationships and, and how that all works together. So, um, I appreciate, um, the quick send back also of those, uh, articles that I quoted. So people can go look at them. You know, you don't necessarily have to link them, but, um, and I'll, I'll just preempt said, say it again, like, uh, just have a mature mind when you're going to go do any reading, right. Uh, just a preempt for that. I'll, I'll continue to say that in this post journalism world, um, but try to extract all those great things in there in terms of us redefining, you know, what working from home is going to mean for people. So thanks again for that. Melissa did a thumbs up. So she said also, thank you. 